I want to invite you to go ahead and take your copy of God's Word. Join me in Acts chapter 13. We're going to continue on in our series, walking through the book of Acts, as we've been doing over the last number of months together. We've entitled the series, Church on the Move. We've seen the church grow from Jesus leaving his disciples in Acts chapter 2 to the gospel spreading throughout the known world. And so we're going to pick back up in Acts chapter 13 this week, continue to see the gospel spread. And I want to read for us the text this morning, and then we'll walk back through it together. Listen to what Luke writes, beginning in Acts chapter 13. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. As we walk through this first part here of Acts chapter 13, I want you to write down this main idea that's going to frame our time together in these verses this morning. And here's the main idea. We should never underestimate the importance of God's word as we fulfill his mission. Now, over the last number of weeks, we've been talking about our call to fulfill the mission of God. It's the mission that Jesus left his disciples with, that is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people will hear and respond by faith, trusting Jesus as their Savior, and that they in turn would become disciples of Jesus. That's the mission that Jesus left his disciples with when he ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 2. That's the mission that they have been seeking to fulfill all of Acts beginning in chapter 3 all the way through here chapter 13. It's the mission that we as a church are called to fulfill 
as well, to make disciples, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people come to faith in him. Now, over the last couple of chapters, our attention has been turned primarily to Peter. We've seen Peter share the gospel. We've seen people come to faith in Jesus Christ. We last encountered Saul really back in chapter 9. His conversion and then his initial entry into ministry, his relationship with the Jerusalem church when he first came in there. And he's kind of been put on the back burner, and yet we're going to see him come back to the forefront of the mission of God being fulfilled. We see that here in Acts chapter 13. And here's the interesting thing. Very little is said about Peter from this point forward. In fact, the attention of the book of Acts is going to be placed primarily on Saul, who is called here in the text Paul, in his ministry of carrying the gospel to the Gentiles. And so we see that initially begin here in Acts chapter 13. And as you see it unfold, I want you to notice the importance of God's word going forth in this encounter that we see in Acts chapter 13. So as you look at the first three verses, what we see going on here is Paul and Barnabas being set apart and sent out by the believers in Antioch to fulfill the mission of God. That's what they're called to do. And so you've got this group of men. There's five of them that are described here as prophets and teachers. They are hearing from the Lord, hearing from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit says, set apart Barnabas and Saul. I want them to be sent out from Antioch into the Gentile world at that point. And so that's exactly what they do after prayer and fasting. They commission them and they send them out. This is the very first missionary journey in Paul's life as he is heading out. And we're going to see exactly what takes place. In verse 4, if you're taking notes after the main idea that we should never underestimate the importance of God's word as we fulfill his mission. I want you to notice in verses four through seven, the hunger for God's word. Look in verse four. This is what Luke records there. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, you see this journey that Saul and Barnabas go on. They're going down to Seleucia. From there, they sail to Cyprus. Now, that was Barnabas's hometown that they were heading into. And when they arrived at Salamis, that's a specific location in Cyprus, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And we'll see this take place in Saul's ministry, Paul's ministry, as he's going into these Gentile areas. He begins first with the Jewish people, with the synagogue, and begins to proclaim the gospel there. And oftentimes, he's kicked out of the synagogues, and so he begins to share the gospel with the Gentiles, those who are not Jews. And so that's exactly what happens here. He begins there in the synagogues with the Jews, and it says that John, that's John Mark, assisted them. Verse 6, when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. This man was attached to another guy by the name of Sergius Paulus. He was a man of intelligence. He was a pro-council. He was a government ruler at this point in time in this area, and he had summoned different people around him. One of them was this Jewish magician. 
Now, with him being in a predominantly Gentile area, he still had to interact with the Jewish people. And so he had brought this magician, this fortune teller, this guy who was able to perform signs, who was Jewish, this man named Bar-Jesus, he had brought him alongside of him to probably give him some wisdom and counsel through this season. But he hears that Barnabas and Saul have come onto the scene. He hears that they are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice that he has a hunger to hear God's word. So as Barnabas and Saul are seeking to fulfill the mission of God. This man has a hunger. He wants to hear what they have to say. And so he summons them to himself and gives them an audience and says to them, let me hear what you have to say. Let me hear. I have a hunger to understand. And it says in the text, he's an intelligent person. So he's weighing what he's going to hear with what he knows. And that's what transpires in this encounter right here. But there's a problem. Not only is there a hunger for God's word in the text from this proconsul, this man named Sergius Paulus, but Alimus, who is also known as Bar-Jesus, this magician, has no desire for the gospel message to be proclaimed. No desire for this proconsul, this man, to hear the gospel and to respond to it. So not only do we see this hunger for God's word, but we see, secondly, this choice regarding God's word. That this man is about to hear the gospel, but the magician, this man named Bar-Jesus, also called Elimus, which actually does mean magician, is trying to keep him from hearing and responding to the gospel. So it says in verse 7, he was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, summoned Saul to hear the word of God. But in verse 8, this magician says, we don't want this to happen. He opposed them and he sought to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So what we see taking place is this man's hunger to hear God's word, to hear the message of the gospel, to be able to weigh it against what he already knows and to begin to respond to it. And what we see is that this magician is doing everything he can to stop the spread of the gospel, to stop this proconsul, this government ruler from hearing and responding to the message of the gospel. And that reminds us that there is a choice regarding God's word, that there is an opportunity to either respond to God's word or to reject God's word. And this magician is doing everything he can to dissuade this man from responding to the gospel. But I want you to notice what happens as we continue on. Not only is there a hunger for God's word in verse 4 through 7, there's a choice regarding God's word in verse 8, but notice that there is power in God's word beginning in verse 9 going down through verse 12. This is what Luke records, but Saul, who is also called Paul, Saul was his Jewish name named after the first king of Israel, but Paul would have been his Roman name, his Gentile name, the name that he would have used from this point forward. There's only three more times that uh, in the book of Acts he's recorded as Saul. It's Paul from this point forward. So he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He looks intently at this magician, this man, and he said, you son of the devil. 
You enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, what he said was going to happen to this man is exactly what happened. Mist and darkness fell upon him. He no longer could see, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. But I want you to notice the power in God's word. Notice verse 12. Then the proconsul, this government ruler who had a hunger to hear God's word, who had a choice whether to receive God's word or to reject God's word, who had been encouraged by this magician to reject God's word, who had come against Paul and had come against Barnabas trying to keep the message from continuing to spread. Notice that this man believes. And when he saw what occurred, he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. There is power in God's word. This man hears the gospel and he responds to the gospel. He believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. After hearing the message of the gospel proclaimed, after seeing the power with which Paul was able to bring blindness to this man who is seeking to oppose the gospel message spreading, he hears the message, he sees the power, and he responds by faith, believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what we see in the text this morning is the power of God's word, that the mission of God we're called to fulfill is accomplished as we place a high importance on the power of the word of God. So as we sing over the next few minutes, I want you to reflect on that, about the importance of God's word for us as believers as we seek to fulfill the mission that God has called us to fulfill. So let's take a few moments and think about some application that we can seek to take from Acts chapter 13 and apply in our own lives as we want to live out the message that we hear in the text today. One of the things that I think is so vitally important for us as a church, as individual believers, is how much value we place on God's word as we are seeking to fulfill his mission. Now, the big question that comes up is, what do we do as believers to fulfill the mission of God? And we've talked about that before, that we're called to proclaim the message of the gospel. But here's where things get a little bit muddy at times, is we wonder where the power comes from to do what God's called us to do. Now, certainly the Holy Spirit has equipped us and gifted us and empowers us to fulfill the mission, but what do we have that helps us do this in a way that makes a vital impact in the world in which we live? And I think the greatest thing that we have in our hands day in and day out is God's Word. I think that we often underestimate the importance of God's word as we seek to fulfill his mission. Now, as we look back at the text, one of the things that we saw first off is the hunger for God's word that was demonstrated by this 
proconsul, this leader in government. And you may think, well, I don't know that there's a ton of hunger for God's word in the culture in which we live. And I want to challenge that assumption because I believe that there really is a hunger for God's word. Because here's the thing, God's word is truth. And there is a hunger in our culture for truth. There is a hunger in our culture for truth as it relates to our daily lives. There is a hunger for truth as it relates to justice. There is a hunger for truth as it relates to our marriages. There is a hunger for truth as it relates to dealing with this pandemic in which we find ourselves in. There is a genuine hunger for truth that's demonstrated by just about every single person. They want to know what is true. And for us as believers, the reality is we know what's true. God's word is truth. And so for us, we need to see the great value that we have in having God's word. So think about this with me, just on a personal level. Do you personally have a hunger for God's word? Do you have a hunger to go to the scriptures and to seek to understand what God is communicating to us through his word? Now, if you look at just the grand narrative of the scriptures, we're reminded of the great gospel message that it contains, this scarlet thread of redemption that's woven from Genesis to Revelation, the fact that God created mankind perfect and in relationship with him. But as we find out in Genesis chapter 3, that Adam and Eve in the garden chose to disobey God. And as a result of that, sin entered the world. And for the very first time between God and man, there was this barrier. Then no longer is there a great and perfect relationship that sin separates us from God. And God made a promise at that point to Adam and Eve and to all who would come after them that he would make a way possible for us to have a relationship with him. What we see is that that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, that Jesus' death and resurrection makes it possible for us to have a right relationship with God. So contained within all of the scriptures is not only that grand narrative, but it also contains how God intends for us to live life in this world in which we find ourselves. And so every single issue that we encounter is contained, the way in which we should live it out is contained within the scriptures. Just think about this past week as we look at the culture in which we live and we think about the man whose name was George Floyd who was killed and we look at all of the protests that surround that. We look at all the media attention. We look at all of those things. The question comes in, okay, what does the church have to say about this? What do the scriptures have to say about this? And what we find out is that God is a God of justice that God is a God who takes very seriously human life, that God takes very seriously when that life is 
taken because that person is an image bearer. And so God's word speaks directly to that issue. And so for us as a church to be silent on that issue is not in the cards, but it extends even beyond that as we look at marriage, as we look at raising children, as we look at responding to this government interaction with us during this pandemic, that God's word speaks to every single issue. And so for people in our culture, maybe who are not believers, that are looking to us as believers, looking to us as the church, and I truly believe there is a hunger to know what does God's word have to say about these issues that we're facing? What does God's word have to say about my marriage? What does God's word have to say about raising kids? What does God's word have to say about these issues of justice? What does God's word have to say about the way in which we are walking through this time of pandemic? What does God's word have to say about hope? And I want you to notice that every single issue that we encounter in this culture, that God's word speaks to that issue. And God's word speaks to that issue because God knows best how his creation is meant to live. Now, ultimately, that is meant to live in relationship with him. But for us as believers, we have that message. We know that true life is meant to be lived in relationship with our creator and that our creator has given us his word to direct our steps as we seek to fulfill the mission. And as we interact with people in our culture, people who are wondering, is there truth and what is that truth? We have God's word that gives us the absolute right response to those questions. And so I want to encourage you to think about that, that there truly is a hunger for truth, and truth is God's word. And so as we interact with people in this culture, we as believers, we as the church have the truth. We have the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have the message contained within the scripture that shows us how life is meant to be lived out. And so as we seek to fulfill the mission, we are encountering day in and day out, people looking for truth, people wondering what hope is there out there. And we have that message in God's word. And so I wanna encourage you Don't shy away from the scriptures. Don't shy away thinking that I don't have an answer to those questions or I don't have a response that I can offer. I want you to know that God's word contains everything that we need for a life of godliness, that God's word contains everything we need to know how life is best lived. And so as we interact in this culture in which we find ourselves, We do have answers. We do have truth that we can cling to in moments where everyone is wondering, how should I respond? How do I deal with what's going on in this world in which we find ourselves? We as believers have God's word. And there is a hunger in this culture for truth. And truth is found in God's word. So not only that, I want you to think as well about the choice regarding God's word. Now, what we saw in the text is that the proconsul had an opportunity to either respond and receive the gospel message or to reject that. And I want you to know that that same thing holds true 
even now, that people have an opportunity as we speak truth, as we call their attention to the truth of God's word, they have an opportunity to respond to that, either receiving it or rejecting it. And I want you to notice that that's not our business. In fact, that's God's business. Our calling is simply to proclaim the truth. Our calling is simply to present the truth of God's word, the truth that we find in the scriptures, in the culture in which we live. We are called to simply be faithful to share the truth. And then people have an opportunity to respond to that, either to grab a hold of it and say yes, or to reject it and to say no. But here's the thing, you can't sit on the sidelines. You either respond to the gospel message and receive it, or you reject it. And maybe you're watching and you're listening to this message, and for you, you've heard the gospel message, and right now you are wrestling between, do I receive this? Do I take this as truth and apply it to my life? Do I respond to the message of the gospel by faith as this man did here in the text, or do I reject that. And I want to encourage you to respond by faith, to receive the gift of salvation through Jesus's death and his resurrection. I want to challenge you, if you are a believer who is watching this, you also and I also have the opportunity to choose how we are going to respond to God's word. We can, even as believers, choose to live our lives according to the scriptures or choose to not live our lives according to the scriptures and to experience the result of walking into disobedience to the Lord. And I want to challenge you, search the scriptures and seek to live out the truth that we find in God's word. Choose to have a hunger for God's word that leads not to just more knowledge in your head, but leads to action, living out what you have heard. Not only that, I want you to think about the great power in God's word, especially in light of the fact that God has called us to share the gospel message, that God's word as it is proclaimed, that God's word as it is read changes people's lives. It changed this proconsul's life. He heard the message of the gospel. He saw the power and he responded in faith. And I want you to notice that for us as believers, the great power that we have is in God's word. One of the things that the scriptures tell us is that God's word as it's proclaimed will not return void, but that it will accomplish all that it is intended to accomplish. So as we share the hope of the gospel with those who are far from God, as we point people to the truth that is found in God's word, the great promise that God has given us is that his word will not return void, but it will accomplish what it is intended to accomplish. It will change lives. It will bring people who are far from God into relationship with him. It will take believers who hear the truth of God's word and continue to conform their lives so that they look like their Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to notice that as we think about fulfilling the mission of God, the great tool that we have is God's word. May we never 
ever underestimate how important God's word is as we seek to fulfill the mission that he's called us to fulfill. It's important in our lives personally as God transforms us through his word, and it's important in the culture in which we live that there is a clear call, there is a clear representation of the truth of God's word. And so for us as believers, may we value the word of God. May we see how important it is to fulfill the mission that God has called us to fulfill. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you that you would remind us as believers how important your word is, both in our lives personally and also in the calling that you've placed on our lives to fulfill. May we recognize the great value of your word in our personal lives. May we have a hunger for your word. May it transform our lives in great power as we apply its truths day in and day out. But God, may also we see the power in your word as it works in the lives of people who are far from you. May we faithfully hold up the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we faithfully hold up the standard that your word calls lives to be lived out in accordance with. May we help people understand that if they want true life, if they want a life of meaning, that it will find itself in the pages of Scripture as we live out the truth that we find. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you to continue to worship, continue to think how this text applies to your life personally.